Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. Tonight, my conversation with the political operative and longtime associate of the president, Roger Stone. Just this week, the Wall Street Journal reported that Mr. Stone is of interest to Robert Mueller, asking questions about a claim Mr. Stone made, which he calls a joke, about having, quote, dined with Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks founder and publisher of so much material benefiting the Trump campaign. Robert Mueller has been asking questions about Stone. Tonight, he joins us to answer them. But first, our breaking news. CNN has learned that President Trump has begun taking some preliminary steps, preparing for a possible interview with the special counsel. Our senior White House correspondent, Pamela Brown, joins us now with that. So explain what you've learned. Well, Anderson, we have learned that the preparations between the president and his legal team have been short and informal and included going over potential topics with the president that Robert Mueller would likely raise in an interview. This is according to two people familiar with the situation that I've spoken with, along with my colleague, Gloria Borger. Now, while the president has not formally agreed to a sit-down interview with Mueller, these preparations underway are a sign that the president's legal team is intensifying deliberations over whether to allow him to come under Robert Mueller's questioning, and it's the clearest sign yet that Trump and his team remain open to the possibility of an interview with Mueller, despite concerns from those close to the president that such an interview could expose him to possible perjury charges. The sources we spoke with, though, Anderson, cautioned that the more formal, lengthier proceedings to prepare for an interview have not begun yet. These are just initial steps that are still in their infancy. Both White House lawyer Ty Cobb and the president's attorney, Jay Sekulow, declined to comment for this story, but it is significant in that all of this is entering this new phase with the initial steps of preparation, Anderson. In the past, the president has seemed receptive to sitting for an interview. Do we know if that is still the case? Well, you know, sources tell us that the president shows more enthusiasm outwardly than behind closed doors at this prospect of sitting down with Mueller's team. Publicly, as you know, he has said that he would love to do the interview under oath. But privately, Trump has been more equivocal about answering Mueller's questions, depending on the day. Uh, And Trump has wavered as friends and advisors have cautioned him of the risk of speaking to prosecutors who have already charged 19 individuals with criminal offenses, including lying. Now, multiple aides to the president continue to describe him as obsessed with the Russia probe, becoming increasingly agitated as details about the probe emerge. And Trump feels that this investigation undermines his presidency. Uh, He has grown increasingly bitter that it hasn't concluded yet. His legal team, they continue to go back and forth with Mueller's team about the possibility of an interview and the scope of what that might be. Those negotiations continue, Anderson. All right, Pamela Brown, thanks for the reporting. Joining us now, CNN legal analyst Carrie Cordero and and Milgram. How significant is this? in your opinion, Ed? So it seems to me it could be one of two things. The first is that he really is starting to prepare and they're beginning soft questions, sort of getting him comfortable with it. The other option is they're testing him out to see how he'd do. And, you know, you would never let someone like the president of the United States walk into an interview without having been prepped Mm -hmm. 
for a good amount of time. So it really could be either. But I suspect there may be the possibility here that they want to see, you know, does he lie? Does he equivocate? How does he respond when he gets questions? Because there is, as as you've stated and Pamela stated, there is this question of how will he do in an interview? And a lot of question of whether he should actually sit for the interview. Kerry, I mean, he has been deposed before, and uh, some of the supporters of the president say he actually has done a lot better than, than a lot of people may think. There are concerns, though, from people close to the president that an interview like this could obviously expose him to possible par- uh, charges of perjury. So legally speaking, even if he's not under oath for the interview, could he still face perjury charges if he lied? Well, he could be liable for a thousand and one or making false statements to investigators um, in the course of an interview, even if he's not under oath like he would be in a grand jury type proceeding. I think the big question, Anderson, for these interviews really is what is the scope of them substantively? So are the interviews going to be limited only to matters pertaining to the Russian influence investigation? Or is it also going to cover obstruction? Or will it start covering issues involving money, either in the campaign or his own personal and corporate finances? I think the, the level of risk for him in both preparing and being ready and uh, being able to sit through that interview in a way that he comes out in a way that is positive for him depends in large part on what the substance of the interviews will be. What happens if the president declines to sit for the interview? So I think it's a real possibility. To me, it's still an open question of whether uh, the special counsel would issue a subpoena. So to me, I think it's incredibly likely that the special counsel will end the inquiry into Trump with a report without issuing criminal charges because there's an existing DOJ policy right now that says you can't charge the sitting president. Mueller's bound by all the existing DOJ policies. If that's the case, it seems to me that Mueller needs to get Donald Trump's version of events. Mm-hmm. It's really not a complete story. It's not, it's not the full picture of what happened. It's not the truth of what happened without it. And so I think it is very possible that Mueller would go the next step to issue a subpoena. It's hard to say, given I think 100 percent Mueller will want him to come in voluntarily and will do anything he can to get there. But I I personally believe that faced with the prospect, if we ever get to the point of no interview or interview with a subpoena under oath in a grand jury or some modification of that process, I think Mueller will want that interview. Carrie, I mean, do you think the president is perhaps more receptive to the idea of an interview since, according to The Washington Post earlier this week, Mueller told President Trump's lawyers the president is not a criminal target in the Russia probe? Well, if he is more receptive to an interview based on that fact in particular, then I would say that that's probably a missed place level of confidence. So according to the reports this week, he is the subject of an investigation. If that is correct, then really he still does have some exposure, again, depending on what the uh, which angles the interview takes. But even if he's a subject of investigation, there's still a significant risk for him. Again, you know, sometimes we talk about could he is is he exposed to perjury? That's only if he doesn't tell the truth. And investigators have other evidence that uh, contradicts what his oral testimony or his his interview results are. Gary hmm. Cordero and Milgram, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Now, a figure who has also reportedly drawn the interest of Robert Mueller. Roger Stone was an early campaign advisor to his old friend Donald Trump. Then after parting of the ways, he resurfaced in the summer of 2016, publicly heralding damaging revelations about Hillary Clinton and Democrats that soon after arrived, courtesy of WikiLeaks and a hacker known as Guccifer 2.0, whom U.S. officials believe was a front for Russian military intelligence, which Stone argues against. Now, Democrats have been saying Stone's warnings might indicate some form of advance notice in coordination with WikiLeaks or Russia. Mr. Stone has consistently 
vehemently and vehemently denied any wrongdoing. Roger Stone joins us now. Thanks so much, so much for being with us, Mr. Stone. Appreciate it. Thank you for your kind invitation, Anderson. So this news, first of all, before we get to the whole WikiLeaks stuff, I just want to ask you about this news about the president that he's begun initial steps of prepping for a possible interview with Mueller. In your opinion, should the president ever sit down with a special counsel? Uh, I have written and uh, said on Infowars repeatedly that I thought it was a perjury trap, that uh, there's every possibility the special counsel is looking at some process-related crime that doesn't relate to Russia. I obviously believe the special counsel has a political bias, as demonstrated by the the FBI text messages and emails that have surfaced and the political nature uh, of this investigation. So I think it is uh, very dangerous for the president to do so. I think Mr. Dowd, who I read, uh, had advised against this, was correct. Do you think there would be a political cost? Judge Napolitano cost? at Fox right. has advised against it. I think it's a bad idea. Would there be a political cost, do you think, for the president if he was subpoenaed by Robert Mueller, if he decided not to go uh, voluntarily? Oh, you know, I, I'm not an attorney, and I don't really understand the lines of authority. I was interested to listen to the previous uh, segment. Uh, you know, as I, I, I'm just really grows, asking about it. his supporters. Would they care if the president was subpoenaed? I mean, would that re- they think that? Oh, I don't badly? think I don't think I don't think it would hurt him. No, I think the president is very, very strong and has intense support in his base. There's been no erosion in his position. And in fact, I think his approval rating is moving up uh, as the economy moves up and the prospects of a denuclearized uh, Korea. Uh, I think all those things uh, strengthen the president's hand. Would you like to see the president fire the special counsel? And obviously, you believe he's, he's politically biased. No, I actually think that would, from a political point of view, while there may be grounds to do so, I think it would it would uh, allow the president's detractors to argue, oh, well, he is sacked uh, Mr. Mueller because uh, Mueller was on the verge of finding uh, Russian collusion or conspiracy or coordination, which I don't believe is the case. Now, I've suggested that Mr. the president should fire Mr. Rosenstein, uh, who, because of his role in approving the surveillance uh, of the Trump campaign on the basis of essentially falsified uh, a falsified dossier. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, the president should direct uh, the attorney general to appoint a special prosecutor uh, to look at both the FISA uh, uh, abuses and also uh, at Uranium One, which may be the largest financial treasonous crime in American history. Do you think the attorney general should be replaced? Obviously, the president has been publicly, uh, I don't know if humiliating is the right word, but certainly, you know, uh, has had, had some tough words for him over the long period of time. Now, I have been uh, deeply disappointed in the attorney general. Uh, and uh, I, I have already said, again, uh, commentary for Infowars and at the Stone Cold Truth that I think that the president should dismiss his attorney general. Have you had any contact at all with Mueller's office at this point? I have. I have not. Would you agree to sit down for an interview? Uh, I would need to know a great deal more about what they wanted to talk about. Uh, I mean, right now in the mainstream media, we have a uh, we have an ongoing story, which is uh, not not uh, new uh, pertaining to this email. And if I didn't know better, Anderson, I'd say that Sam Nunberg was trying to frame me. Sam Nunberg talked about saying that Mueller uh, asked uh, asked him questions about you, about this uh, email uh, that that you sent him about dining with Julian Assange. I want to get to all of that. We got to take a quick break. Uh, Roger, we'll have more with you in just a moment. Uh, We'll talk uh, much more about Roger's relationship or lack thereof with Julian Assange. And the question the special counsel reportedly wants to know more about 
Was it face-to-face at a crucial moment of the campaign for both candidates and for the hostile foreign power who was trying to shape the outcome? More on that ahead. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Well, of all the stories about Roger Stone, political exploits, allegations of dirty tricks, there are few he actually denies. He has, over nearly half a century in politics, often relished the role of provocateur. However, there's one piece of alleged campaign maneuvering he has taken pains to disavow, the notion that he has done anything wrong with respect to WikiLeaks, release of hacked emails, or with Russia. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Robert Mueller wants to know more. I'll ask Roger Stone about it, but right after Randy Kay sets the stage. We have emails related to Hillary Clinton, which are pending publication. That is correct. The first ever mention of a leak of Hillary Clinton's emails came from WikiLeaks' Julian Assange himself, June 12, 2016, in the heat of the presidential campaign. On July 22nd, just as he promised, and on the very day Hillary Clinton was announcing her running mate, nearly 20,000 emails were released by WikiLeaks. The emails promised to be embarrassing. They included chatter about Clinton's chief rival, Bernie Sanders, and perks provided to party donors. The following month, August 4th, 2016, Trump loyalist Roger Stone sent this email to former Trump advisor Sam Nunberg. I dined with my new pal Julian Assange last night. That same day, Stone gave an interview to the conspiracy-driven site InfoWars, as reported by CNN's K-File. Let's remember that their defense in all of the Clinton Foundation scandals has been, not we didn't do it, has been, you have no proof. Yes, but you have no proof. Well, I think Julian Assange has that proof, and I think he's going to furnish it to the American people. And the next day, August 5th, 2016, Stone tweeted, Hillary lies about Russian involvement in DNC hack. Julian Assange is a hero. Stone would later explain, most recently on his website, that he'd also joked about visiting Assange during an earlier phone call with Nunberg. It had been nothing but a throwaway line, pure shtick, the way I talk, the humor I savor, he wrote. When I realized that Nunberg actually believed that I had flown to London, I simply milked the joke a little more in a subsequent email. End of story. Was it all a joke? The conservative website, The Daily Caller, says Stone showed them a boarding pass from JFK Airport in New York to Los Angeles on August 1, 2016. He also provided another boarding pass showing he flew on Delta Airlines from Los Angeles overnight to Miami, Florida on August 3rd. He would have arrived just before dawn on August 4th, the day he sent the email about dining with Julian Assange the night before. If he was on a cross-country flight, the reported boarding passes show, dinner with Assange would have been impossible. The Daily Caller also reports Stone's credit card shows payments at a deli in Santa Monica on August 2nd, plus hotel and baggage fees for August 3rd, putting him in Los Angeles, thousands of miles away from Ecuador's embassy in London, where Julian Assange has been since 2012, under asylum. 
Meanwhile, Stone publicly claimed he had a back channel to Assange, someone he later named to be New York radio host Randy Credico, even though Credico denied that in the Daily Beast. Credico refused to talk about it during an interview last year. I am not uh, at liberty, uh, courtesy of my counsel, to talk about Roger Stone or to talk about WikiLeaks or talk about Julian Assange. Amid all these conflicting statements, we know Stone and WikiLeaks have communicated in these private Twitter messages now made public. October 13, 2016, Stone messages WikiLeaks that since he's been defending them and Assange, they may want to re-examine the strategy of attacking him. We appreciate that. However, the false claims of our association are being used by the Democrats to undermine the impact of our publications. Don't go there if you don't want us to correct you. Randy Kay, CNN, New York. And we're back now with Roger Stone. Uh, so, Mr. Stone, in your testimony on Capitol Hill, which you wanted to be public, they didn't allow that. You testified anyway. You denied any direct communication with Julian Assange. Back on August 8th, 2016, you said in a public appearance that you actually have communicated with Assange. There's obviously a difference between direct communication and communication. But just for the record, what has been your communication, direct or otherwise, with Assange? Uh, what I actually said in my testimony was that I had never communicated uh, uh, with uh, with Assange. That is correct. I have never met with him, spoken to him on the phone, emailed with him, uh, uh, Facebook, FaceTime, pardon me, Skype, so on. Uh, I am an admirer of him. I think he's a journalist. I think he does what journalists do, get information from whistleblowers and publish it, just like you do here at CNN. Uh, uh, my speech uh, it, before the Southwest Broward Republican Club, in which I speak of communication, refers, as I said under oath to the House committee, to a, a, a confirming source. In this case, I called him a back channel because it was uh, dramatized in a speech, but back channel intermediary uh, uh, confirming source right. who told me that, yes, indeed, because, and this is someone who was close to people uh, on the WikiLeaks legal team, that indeed... What Assange told CNN in June was accurate, that he had substantial and devastating information that would roil the campaign. Yeah. He did, and it did. Yeah, I mean, you have used that, that term back-channel a lot, back-channel communication. As recently as last night on Fox, I think you referred to him, this radio guy, as a middleman, a back-channel, an intermediary, a confirming source. Back-channel, though, does imply a flow of communication, or an intermediary usually passages, messages, or information back and forth. So... Was there an actual exchange of information between you and Assange through well, this look, background? I, I, you, you can argue that there's some hyperbole, but no more hyperbole than CNN last night saying that my interview with Alex Jones was recently uh, unearthed or, or uh, newly discovered when it's been on YouTube and on their website for the last eight months. But, you're, but there was, I guess I'm just asking, was there any exchange of information between you and Julian no, Assange? No, no, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, let me let me let me answer your question. I had no advance notice of the content, source, or exact timing of the WikiLeaks disclosures, including the allegedly hacked emails. I never received anything whatsoever from WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, anyone associated with them, or anyone else, including allegedly hacked emails, and passed them on to Donald Trump. So, did you Donald ever give Trump's anything to Julian Assange? Com- 
No, I did not. Okay. The, the email that you sent Sam Nunberg, where you said uh, that you had dinner with Assange, you also said it on the phone to him, as we said in Randy's piece, as a way to end a lengthy, boring conversation, essentially. You said it was a joke. Of, I just, I'm just wondering, I mean, of all the things to joke about, why that? How does that get you off the phone faster? If anything, I would think if somebody said to me, oh, I'm having dinner with Julian Assange, I would stay on the phone with them longer. Uh, look, Assange and what WikiLeaks did and did not have was being played out in the in the political media around the edges of the campaign. It was a hot topic. You have to understand, Sam is somewhat neurotic. He would sometimes call you 30, 40 times a day, often with other, nothing to say other than what's going on. When you let your his phone calls roll over to voice message, he would become very agitated with you. Uh, it was a throwaway line. My yeah. passport, uh, customs records, airline records, the security cameras at the Ecuadorian embassy would demonstrate that no such trip was made. Uh, I did produce uh, airline tickets and so on. Here's the one thing that I got right, Anderson. When I was in West Hollywood, I stayed at the London Hotel. Have you been in any communication with others who've been in touch with Assange? I mean, it's known Nigel Farage visited the Ecuadorian embassy, Pamela Anderson. Have you been in contact with either of them? Uh, I have not. I would like to be in touch with uh, Pamela Anderson, but I am not. <laughs> you know what? I knew you were going to say that, actually. <laughs> Even as I was writing I the question, resist. I knew that was going to be the answer. So you've revealed some public tweets and private direct messages communicating with Guccifer 2.0, which is an entity the U.S. government says was controlled or operated by Russian military intelligence. I know you uh, say you don't really believe that. The tweets and the DMs that have been publicly reported, are they the sum total of all your communications with Guccifer 2.0? Yes, absolutely. Uh, as you know, this entire communication, which I released, although it is interesting that media organizations knew it was there, hard to know since it's supposed to be proprietary, unless, of course, you'd been hacked. Remember that the New York Times reported on January uh, 20th of 2017 that I was the subject of a FISA warrant along with Paul Manafort and uh, Carter Page. The Times has never retracted that. Ed Klein reports it in his most recent book from independent sources. Uh, I know that the government is denying that in the back and forth between Manafort and the government. You believe they've been monitoring his, uh, uh, legal situation. So uh, what I'm saying is I don't know to what extent all of my emails and communications uh, may have been monitored. There is reporting that U.S. investigators trace the Guccifer's computer directly to the uh, GRU headquarters in Moscow. Um, isn't it a problem to be in yeah, contact but, with Russian agents while they were trying to influence the election? Well, the problem is that my, my communication is completely ex post facto. It happens weeks after WikiLeaks has already published the allegedly hacked e emails. Consequently, uh, it, it makes collusion chronologically impossible. Based on the content, the context, and the timing of this communication, and by the way, I was covering this for InfoWars, and he spoke to hundreds of journalists, uh, it demonstrates that there is no collaboration or collusion. A month ago, the Washington Post reported that you had a phone conversation in the spring of 2016 in which you said that you'd learned from Assange that WikiLeaks had gotten emails that would torment senior Democrats like John Podesta. If true, that was significant because... It was months before WikiLeaks announced, as we played there, uh, that, that Assange went on British television on ITV and announced that he had information on Hillary Clinton that it was going to release. Did that conversation occur? No, it did not. In fact, the Times piece is flawed. The reporter who called me said they had an email that said this. But by the time their story posted, the email was gone, but the alleged uh, contents of the email uh, remain in the lead of the story. This is hearsay, uncorroborated hearsay. Two sources say Stone said. 
Uh, I had no advanced knowledge of the uh, content uh, uh, or the uh, source of the WikiLeaks disclosures. The idea that I knew about Podesta's, John Podesta's email being hacked in advance is disproved by the wording of my tweet. It right. says, the Podesta's. It Which refers I wanna, to John and yeah. Tony. I want to ask you about that, too, because it's, it's often misquoted. But if the conversation, if that conversation didn't occur, I just want to ask for the record, did you at that time have knowledge that Assange had gotten emails on senior Democrats? No, I no, I did not. So Democrats. Nor, so so the source says two things. Right. One, he iterates the canard that I that I've dined with Assange and that I had advanced knowledge. Uh, this is an uncorroborated source. Right. Uh, the the email that is alleged disappears from the story. Got it. So Democrats have repeatedly said that you predicted the WikiLeaks dump of John Podesta's email. And the tweet they keep pointing at, which I got to say is often misquoted by them is one that reads, quote, it will soon be the Podesta's plural time in the barrel. What did you mean that, by that? Well, uh, the Panama Papers, published in April of 2016, exposed the Podesta brothers' extensive business dealings but in, in Russia actually and Actually, it talked about Tony, the, the Panama Papers focused on Tony Podesta, not... John Podesta, who hadn't worked for the Podesta Group, as I understand it, for decades, I think, like the early 90s. Uh, my, my, reference, my reference is to both brothers. I wrote uh, an extensive piece about John Podesta's banking deal uh, in Russia and how lucrative that was. I had received an opposition uh, research memo from Dr. Jerry Corsi, all from public sources. Uh, it's a reference to the, to the subsequent mainstream media focus on the Podesta brothers' various businesses. So you're saying... Nowhere did I predict the, nowhere did I predict the hacking of John Podesta's email. And you're saying the evidence of that is because you said Podesta's plural. Well, people do call him, did call him the Donald, but no one has ever called John Podesta the Podesta. Correct. You said over and over, and most recently this afternoon, that you, quote, never had any advanced knowledge of the content, the source, or the exact timing of the WikiLeaks dis disclosures. You said it actually earlier tonight, even. The Washington po po Post recently pointed out that you seem to be very careful in your, the words you use. You always say the content, the source, the exact timing. Can you just say categorically that you had no advanced knowledge of the hacked emails? Yes, I absolutely can categorically. The reason I say it that way is because I actually believe that Assange would make public disclosures on October 1st, which he did not. But on the 1st, he did announce a, a, uh, a subsequent schedule for uh, data dumps, which began on October 6th. That's why I said I was not sure about the date. Uh, I was trying to be precise. You, you've also said, uh, quote, let's be clear, I had no advance notice of WikiLeaks hacking of Podesta's emails. Again, The Washington Post pointing out that you are always very specific with your denial. Can you say that you just simply had no advance knowledge that the hacked emails existed? Until yes, Julian I Assange, categorically right. can. Okay, yes. un until Julian yes. Assange actually went for it. So Special Counsel yes, Robert and Mueller... I think we've, and I think we, ad Sorry, we addressed ahead. the... Uh, the uh, and I think we addressed the John Podesta question. Yeah. Go ahead. Special counsel Robert Mueller's prosecutors are asking witnesses about you at the grand jury. I know you said you haven't been contacted. Does it concern you that you haven't been called in for an interview yet? Well, first of all, let's remember that the source of that is Sam Nunberg to right. the Washington Post, to the Wall Street Journal, to CNN. How reliable a source is he? Uh, I have done nothing wrong. 
I have a very substantial bank of emails. Uh, Anderson, I'm involved in politics. My emails include all kinds of things, smoke and mirrors, failed initiatives, strategic triumphs, uh, uh, tested ideas. Uh, but there, there is no evidence of treason or collusion with the Russian state or any other violation of the law. Donald Trump did not need help from Russia to beat Hillary Clinton. He ran a historic and improbable and amazing campaign, and she ran one of the worst campaigns I have ever seen, and I've been in this business almost 40 years. I, I got to say, I've spent you know a couple hours reading basically every interview you've done in the last two or two and a half years, and you have been remarkably consistent in what you have said in your defense all along. Um, one thing that stood out to me, and I, and I just, I know it's kind of a weird thing, but I just got to ask you about it. In an interview with Time Magazine in February of 2017, you said that you may have been poisoned with polonium. You said you didn't know who did it, but you intimated that it might have been someone who wanted to make it look like Russia did it, saying, quote, the deep state moves in strange ways. I mean, do you have any proof that you would actually release that you were poisoned and possibly with polonium? I was extraordinarily ill. Uh, you can see in the file footage that you used at the beginning of the segment that I still have lesions on my face from that illness. My doctor believed I was uh, poisoned. Uh, they believe that there initially that there was some radioactive uh, uh, element to that. I've never been this sick in my life. Uh, do it you is, have any, I admit, any speculation? Do you have any you know files that you could release on that or the medical report? Because you said that the sample was sent to the uh, I don't CDC. Think it's of great, I don't think my health is of great interest to the American people other than the half of them that just wish I would drop dead. Look, I'm the conservative every liberal loves to hate. Right, but polonium poisoning, that would be all a huge like, thing in the United States if, if somebody was poisoned with polonium. Uh, well, uh, I, you can go to my InfoWars reports on it. Uh, I believe I was. I was also... Uh, uh, T-boned in a hit and run that had, the police have never solved in a period shortly after that. Right. It's but, not but, inconceivable but, but, uh, that some yeah. people may not want my testimony in this whole matter. I wasn't going to ask about that, but since you mentioned it, uh, you did leave the scene of that. Um, and so there's no record that you were in the car. I know you, you did look like you had injuries. Why, why, if you were hit in a hit and run, why leave the scene before the police showed up? I know they were delayed in showing up. Because no one was injured, and frankly, I waited one hour, and it was a work day. All right. Um, if you could stick around, we're just going to take a quick break. I just want to get your take on, on the, uh, the White House today, uh, how the, the, the inner workings of the White House, how you see it. If you'll stick around, that'd be great. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Talking with Roger Stone, longtime associate of the president, former campaign advisor, and for decades an observer of and participant in American hardball, hardball politics. Um, thanks for being with us, sticking around. So CNN's reporting that the president increasingly believes he's his own best advisor, is relying less and less on the advice of those in the White House. Would you encourage him in that? Do you think that's a wise move for him? Yes, I say let Trump be Trump. Look, uh, he 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 is uh, uh, run the most improbable. Uh, and brilliant political campaign in, in American history. Based on all of the measurements of the things that we think are necessary, uh, he came, you know, he, he staged an extraordinary come-from-behind victory. I do think he understands uh, 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 leadership. I do think he understands the need to get the economy growing. You've got a 100% increase in GDP. we get 3% economic growth. Uh, the appointment of Larry Kudlow, I think, will ultimately help the president make this economy cook. 
uh, I think that, that increasingly he has found his sea legs and he's doing what presidents do. If there's a convoy of illegals heading for our for our border, he's prepared to use American troops to repel them. It does That's seem, leadership. It does seem like often, though, he gets kind of ahead of where the policy actually is. I mean, he'll say something and announce, and it seems like there's a lot of people in his administration having to scramble to suddenly catch up. Is that the right way to lead when you're president of the United States? I get it when you're running a corporation or running a campaign. I think he he knows his own mind. Uh, Look, my only criticism has been that to some extent that he has surrounded himself with people who don't share his worldview, don't share his agenda, whose uh, political loyalty is not to him. Do you think he still has those people around him? Some, yes, although I think his, uh, the appointment of John Bolton is a, is a, is a very positive thing. I think the appointment of uh, a Mike Pompeo, who is skeptical about the Iran nuclear deal, is a positive development. I think, he is, uh, I think the president is surrounding himself with men and women that he trusts and who share more of his anti-interventionist uh, uh, worldview. But Mike Pompeo, though, has a very different opinion than you do about WikiLeaks. I mean, Mike Pompeo uh, sees them as a... Indeed. Yeah. In fact, I've been very critical of Mike Pompeo about that because it's adverse with what he said about uh, WikiLeaks and Assange during the campaign. Uh, But that aside, I do think he shares more of the president's foreign policy views on North Korea, on uh, the Iran nuclear deal than uh, than his predecessor. What about General John Kelly? Do you think he still has a place in the White House? Look, uh, Donald Trump cannot be managed, will not be managed. He is his own manager. He is his own wordsmith. He is his own strategist. And he's damn good at it. Uh, and therefore, there's got to be a high burnout rate of anyone who tries to to uh, get in the way of this uh, of this man. He's like Theodore Roosevelt in that sense. He is impetuous. He is bombastic and he loves America and he has a vision of what he wants to do. For example, his saying that it's time to get out of Syria. He's right. His advisors are wrong. Just yesterday, he spoke um, about the payment that was made to to Stormy Daniels by Michael Cohen, saying that he had no knowledge of it. Was that wise for him to go on the record with that? Uh, I have not had a chance to read exactly what he said, nor, in all honesty, am I keeping up with the controversy having to deal with the incoming, uh, as I am from the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal and, and others in the fake news business. So you have no opinion on whether... Uh, the whole Stormy Daniels issue, the payment of $130,000 had anything to do with the campaign, even though it was made 11 days before the election? Uh, I will believe uh, the president's version of it when he says he knows nothing about it. Uh, But beyond that, what amazes me about this whole controversy is that the American people don't seem to care. The president's approval is going up. I think many see this as an extraneous issue. She also seems to have the little commentary I did see, which may have been CNN, some discrepancies in in her in her claims. Uh, I just don't think the American people care about this. Roger Stone, good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots to talk about tonight. We'll be right back with the panel, including one of the directors of the documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. I'm Andy Cass from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
Our conversation with Roger Stone left us with plenty to talk about with our panel, who join us in a moment. First, let's listen to something Mr. Stone said just a moment ago, perhaps the most definitive statement he's made so far about his connection or lack of one to WikiLeaks. Was there any exchange of information between you and no, Julian no, uh, through to, an to, I'm sorry. Yes, let me let me let me answer your question. I had no advance notice of the content, source, or exact timing of the WikiLeaks disclosures, including the allegedly hacked emails. I never received anything whatsoever from WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, anyone associated with them, or anyone else, including allegedly hacked emails, and passed them on to Donald Trump. So did you Donald ever give Trump's anything to Julian Assange? Com- no, I did not. Joining me now is Morgan Pecmo, one of the directors of the documentary Get Me Roger Stone, which you can watch on Netflix, and I recommend. Also, CNN Chief National Security Correspondent Jim Shudo. With us again is CNN Legal Analyst Carrie Cordero. It is when you read all of the things Roger Stone has said over the last two-plus years, as I've been doing all day long, he has been remarkably consistent. That's absolutely true, Anderson. He's been saying the same thing all along. And as you pointed out, it's very possible that he got the information for those tweets from the public record. And there was also, it's also true that his tweets were erroneous to a degree. Our camera crew was with him on the day of his tweet where he said, Wednesday, Hillary will be done. And and nothing came to pass that day. You know, we were waiting for something dramatic to happen. Nothing happened. So, you know, he has been remarkably consistent and he's also been wrong at times. Jim Shudo, you know, the, the Democrats often point to his uh, saying he predicted that John Podesta's emails were going to get hacked. When, as we talked about, when you actually read the email, he doesn't, that's not what it says at all. I mean, he, it's the Podesta's time in the barrel. It was around the same time that Manafort was kicked out of the campaign. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't come out of left field that he would have been talking about the Podestas, the, one of whom was managing Hillary Clinton's campaign. No, you're right. And listen, he was very categorical there because one of the other criticisms of Roger Stone was that he has given, you know, mealy mouthed answers or, or answers that could be misconstrued. Uh, but but he was categorical. He said, you know, I, I kept a list kind of the things he was categorical about, categorical about. He said never communicated, met with or spoke on the phone in any way with Julian Assange. He said he had no advance notice of disclosures, as you just played that clip there. And he also categorically denied any trip to meet with Roger uh, to meet with Julian Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy in London. A lot of these things that have been floated out there and, and to some accepted as, as fact, uh, in part because of Roger Stone's involvement, because uh, he, he just has often not been the most credible, credible uh, commentator on this. But to you, he was categorical uh, in his denials there. Now, now, you also saw in the interview some of the kind of classic Roger Stone, I mean, claiming that he was poisoned, for instance, by polonium. You know, listen, I, I covered the, the poisoning with polonium of uh, Alexander Litvinenko in London by Russia in 2006. If you're poisoned with polonium, you die. I mean, this is a tiny speck of that stuff will kill you. So it reminds you that this is also the man who wrote a book claiming that LBJ killed John F. Kennedy, right? I mean, there are credibility issues going back. But on the questions you asked him, he was categorical, and he's been consistent in those categorical denials for some time. Right. I mean, there would be medical records that if somebody really wanted to, they could obviously release. Morgan, had had you talked to him about this poisoning? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think it's ludicrous. You know, whenever we're talking about Roger, it's a win, and he, you know, got a new cycle out of that. Um, But in terms of Assange, you know, he had spoken to us in July and August of 2018 about his desire to meet with Julian Assange and for us to film it. And one of the things that I find striking about all this is 
why he wouldn't have wanted us to be there if he did meet with Assange. It would have puffed up his role in the campaign, and it was completely consistent with our discussions with him. Um, Kerry Cordero, just in terms of, you know, if Robert Mueller has been asking questions about him uh, to Sam Nunberg, to, to, uh, to others, is it, should it be a concern to Roger, uh, Roger Stone that he hasn't been asked to come in and talk to Mueller? Well, Anderson, I continue to be amazed at the number of individuals affiliated with the Trump campaign in some way who, even if they haven't been subpoenaed or asked to come be interviewed yet, know that they are in some way um, being implicated in the investigation, being looked at in the investigation. They have some indication that perhaps some of their records um, have been wrapped into the investigation, and yet they continue to give lengthy public interviews. At the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter from the investigator's standpoint what Roger Stone or Sam Nunberg or others say on TV. What matters is the documentary evidence and the testimony that's given under oath by the witnesses who are either interviewed or called in to testify. Mm. we got to take a quick break. More with the panel ahead. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We've been talking about the interview tonight with longtime Trump ally and former Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone. Here's something he said about the president, his current advisors, and turnover in the administration. Donald Trump cannot be managed, will not be managed. He is his own manager. He is his own wordsmith. He is his own strategist. And he's damn good at it. Uh, and therefore, there's got to be a high burnout rate of anyone who tries to to uh, get in the way of this uh, of this man. He's like Theodore Roosevelt in that sense. He is impetuous. He is bombastic and he loves America and he has a vision of what he wants to do. Back now with Morgan Peckmo, one of the directors of the documentary, Get Me Roger Stone, which is fascinating. Also seen as Jim Shudo and Carrie Cordero. You know, Jim, I, I'm just reminded of every time we're talking about details that, we, you know, the, that we or The Washington Post, New York Times, or Wall Street Journal have learned about, uh, about the Mueller investigation. It is still just a small fraction, just the tip of the iceberg of what we actually know. Uh, they know so much more than we do. No question. I, and let's be frank, I know that the Mueller uh, team has been accused of leaks. Uh, I, I've covered this for, for more than a year now. Uh, that, that is the tightest black box in, in Washington, right? I mean, you, you, get wi- you get sort of secondary ripples of what he's looking into based on what lawyers for witnesses tell you, etc. Uh, and then you get, inc- you know, sort of um, in- indications of lines of inquiry that he's going down. But what evidence he's found down these lines of inquiry, that, that is very much an open question. We know he's asking about Trump's financial dealings. Has he found financial crimes? We don't know. We know he's asking about, uh, still asking about the possibility of collusion, foreknowledge uh, of uh, the hacked me- emails, etc. Has he found evidence of collusion? We don't know. Uh, and that's the thing. When he releases that report, that's really when we're going to know the answer to those questions. You know, I'm interested, when you made this film, so you spent a lot of time with him. Clearly, it seems like some of the things he has said in the past 
were to puff himself up, to make himself seem more important to others, perhaps in the campaign or around him. Uh, and, and it's very easy to look at some of the things he said as suspicious. You can also look at them as just kind of bragging and made up. Right. Well, as we show in our film, although Roger has certainly had a, a pivotal role in historic events of extraordinary consequence, he's also lied about his role in uh, historic events. And that's part of his M.O. here. Um, I thought it was really interesting when he said to you about his willingness to appear before um, the special counsel depends upon the scope of the interview. You know, Roger, as we show in our movie, has been uh, by Trump's side for three decades and was once his Washington lobbyist, I think that Roger would be much more reticent to talk about his knowledge of Trump's uh, business dealings mm. than he is about the Russian collusion investigation. They go back that long that he would know a lot about uh, Trump's business dealings. Um, Roger, as we show and Get Me Roger Stone, is literally the first person to put the idea in Trump's mind to run for the presidency way back in 1987, and he's been representing uh, Trump as his lobbyist, as his political strategist since the mid-80s. You know, Kerry, uh, all, the, the the president's supporters keep saying, who, who say this, you know, this investigation by Mueller has just gone on too long, keep saying, look, we haven't seen anything come out of it. We, you know, it, it's been going on for, you know, for more than a year. Um, it's an argument I don't quite understand because generally you wouldn't see anything come out of an investigation until the investigation reaches its conclusion. And obviously we have seen indictments on Russians and obviously the actions against Paul Manafort and others. Given the scope of this investigation, I think it's moving quickly. I mean, they've already launched uh, guilty pleas against several individuals affiliated with the campaign. They have a big pending indictment against the campaign chairman, Paul Manafort. They have a huge indictment against Russian nationals and Russian entities. And so I think actually, given the scope of it, it's uh, it's actually moving quite at a pace. Um, one other thing on just something that Stone said. So he really doubled down in this interview on his support for Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And it's just worth noting, you, you started to get at this a little bit in our Anderson, that um, the current CIA director, Mike Pompeo, Trump's CIA director, has come out and said that WikiLeaks is a non- state hostile intelligence service that works with foreign intelligence agencies. And really, that is something worth noting, that if this is somebody who has been advising the president for decades, and to the extent that he may continue to have his ear, we don't know, um, the fact that he really doubled down on that support for WikiLeaks, even going so far as to compare it or try to equivocate it with the work that professional journalists do, including here at CNN, um, really is notable. Well, you also have Donald Trump during the campaign, of course, saying, I love WikiLeaks announcing that. Jim, did you right. want to say something? Well, I was just going to say, and it is the view of the U.S. intelligence community, that Russia used WikiLeaks as a so-called cutout, a middleman, uh, to, to, to transfer the stolen hacked emails uh, to the public view, that they were an active participant, in effect, uh, in, in the hacking, the interference in the U.S. election. Yeah, thanks all. Appreciate it. A busy Friday night. Up next, exclusive reporting in the Russian investigation. Sources telling CNN that President Trump's legal team is preparing him for a possible interview by special counsel Mueller. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry.
Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.